Well, next up is our, is our panel on social media. So I'm going to ask them to make their way to the stage while I introduce the moderator for the panel. Uh, our moderator will be Jim Tobin. Uh, he's the president of Ignite Social Media. And as you can tell from the name of his company, he was thinking about social media probably long before most of us were thinking about it, let alone using it. Uh, his well-read blog uh, tracks trends like the use of games to market other products and services, how nonprofits and educational institutions are using social media tools to attract students, what traffic to the top Facebook pages tells us about topics that are resonating with a wide audience. He helps brand managers understand the importance of being social, helps them develop high-profile campaigns, and manage social channels. Please welcome Jim Tobel on the panel on analytics. All right. Well, thanks very much. So we heard from SAS as to the perspective of uh, they take, which often involves massive amounts of data and crunching it down. And, and there's, there's lots of ways to do that. Uh, I'm a marketer. I look at it from one way. Uh, but fortunately, what we're going to look at this is not solely about social media, so don't fall asleep if you're not into Facebook and Twitter. We're going to look at this more broadly from, a, from an analytics perspective, and I'm hoping to learn a lot from, from the panel. I have here with me, I have Doug Kaufman, he's the CEO of Spring Metrics. I have Robbie Allen, he's the CEO of StatSheet. And I have Joe Davey, he's the CEO of EvoApp. And what I want to do is uh, have them introduce themselves in a, in a different way by, uh, as an answer to the first question. But if you are into social media, one of the things you are supposed to believe, and I happen to actually believe it, is in the wisdom of crowds. That you all together are smarter than me alone. I know, hard to believe. <laughs> But really. And so I have some questions here. Um, and if the panel doesn't go the way you want it to go, historically, you would blame me. But I am going to ask you to open up your phones and go to your Twitter app and at message me at any point at Tobin with a question you would like asked. Then if the panel doesn't go well, I will blame you. Can See I what I've done there? Can we submit questions? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> See, it's taken all the pressure off me. I just have to be a trained chimp with an iPhone or a Droid, whatever I have here, and read what you all want to know. So that takes a lot of pressure off. So at Tobin on Twitter. Um, so to, to kick this off, everyone's approaching this whole thing differently. We've heard what SAS is doing. We have people setting up dashboards. We have people looking for data insights. As a way of introducing yourself, can you give sort of the 30-second elevator speech of what your company is all about and how it relates to analytics and takes that takes an approach that's different from what everyone else does. Sure. So happy to do that. Uh, again, my name is Doug Kaufman. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Spring Metrics. And we actually approach analytics, I would say, from exactly the opposite direction of some of the, some of the companies you're familiar with, like Google Analytics, Omniture, Core Metrics. Um, we, we don't happen to believe that more data is better. We happen to believe that the right data or better data is better. And so while a lot of those companies um, provide millions of data points um, that overwhelm a lot of people, especially those that are marketers, small, medium-sized business, e-commerce operators, um, it's just overwhelming for them. And they can't figure out, one, what does this all mean? And two, what do I do with this? And three, how does this help my business? How do I generate more revenue, more conversions with all of this data? I can't connect the dots. I'm not a analytics guru. So we actually come at it from their perspective. So let's not measure and show you everything. Let's measure the things that directly relate to your business. 
Let's help you make sense of it. Let's tell you what it means in plain English, and let's help you understand how you can get more conversions and generate more revenue with your business. And we use analytics to do that. Excellent. I'm Robbie Allen, the founder and CEO of Statsheet. Uh, we're a media company that <clears throat> takes statistics and other data and converts it automatically into digestible content. Um, you know, we're right in the middle of, of big data. Uh, for, initially, we focused on sports, since the name Statsheet, but we're branching out into other areas, um, such as finance and, and, and other areas that have a lot of data that changes rapidly that people are really interested in. Um, and I thought Keith made a, a great point about they're trying to, to take big data into little data. What we're trying to do is actually go the next step beyond that, because even though we're all about data and numbers, numbers aren't very usable at, at, at the root. We have a database of over 2 billion statistics uh, you know, covering a variety of sports. <clears throat> trying to make heads or tails of those numbers is not very easy to do. So we're trying to go to the, to the very end game and m make those numbers into actual digestible bits of content that people can then draw insights and, and their own sort of analysis from. Yeah. So to tie back to that, I'm, first of all, I'm Joe Davey. I'm uh, from Evo App. And basically, uh, I can relate a little bit to what you're saying and a little bit to what uh, Keith has talked about earlier uh, what we do is we tap into enterprise communications. So that means uh, your call center data, your news and PR data, the deep web data about your business, which is Gartner Reports, Forrester, et cetera, and then some social stuff. So we're sort of, uh, we're sort of in the direction of SaaS in that regard. Um, we're very interested in the big data problem. You know, on average, a Fortune 1000 company this year crossed one exabyte of uh, data. Uh, so that's a huge amount of data, and any processing engine has to be smart uh, to be able to manage that. What we found is that actually by tapping into corporate communications and turning that into data using things like text analytics and text mining, we can then go back and make operational improvements uh, and tie, tie those insights back to uh, core operational metrics and core uh, business processes like marketing, sales, and customer service. Uh, so we have a few products, and each of which uh, sort of niches into a particular line of business, uh, customer service, marketing, and sales. So for example, uh, if I'm a customer service manager, I can see, okay, my, who are my top five most valuable customers, and how do they feel about me at any given time? Or I can see which of my customers are the most upset, or which ones are having the biggest issues because they're talking to us the most, or which ones are being neglected. Um, so finding insights like that and actually being able to translate it, uh, as Robbie said, back into sort of actionable information rather than just numbers um, is sort of what we're all about. Okay. We were talking uh, before this uh, session, and one of you said, whenever anyone brings up Google Analytics, I know they don't understand what we're talking about. So <laughs> let's go right to that, right? Google Analytics brought this sort of word top of mind to a lot of people, and it was November 2005, which in the digital world is an eternity ago. Um, it's changed a little bit, but not that much. So what do, you, what do you say to that person who says, oh, like Google Analytics? So, so <laughs> let, me, let me kick that off, because uh, I'm, I'm the guy that said that, I think. And um, actually, for Doug's business, I could see how people might make that jump, because they're sort of in the web analytics business. They get at it from a different angle. Um, people make a mistake uh, fairly often, and I don't want to be harsh on VCs, but a lot of VCs have asked me this question is, oh, you guys do analytics. Well, how do you compete with Google Analytics? Because they're free. 
Um, so Google Analytics is very specifically website analytics. It only basically helps you measure your website. Um, we don't do that at all. So that's, I guess, maybe why I said that. So if you're an investor out there, um, you know, now you know. We're very different from Google <laughs> Analytics. And I'll even take the next one, actually. I'll be a, a bit of a cheerleader for, for Doug. I mean, you know, they are a little bit in the similar kind of space in terms of what Screen Metrics does. But, you know, one of the questions is, so why would anybody do anything similar to what Google Analytics does, which is, again, primarily web-oriented analytics? The answer is, at least in my experience, you know, which you know, ranges 15 years on the web, Google Analytics is really bad. I mean, it's not a great interface. It's free. <laughs> Um, and it, it, they actually don't do a good job of kind of what I was talking about before. They do a good job of taking your data and making it available, but that's about the nicest thing I could say. I mean, they don't do a great job of providing insights. They're not very targeted in you know, key specific areas like e-commerce and other things. So you know, it, it's a really bad question if somebody asked that because, again, Google Analytics, especially for people that have a business on the web, is not a great solution. So you hear it every day. I, I hear it every day, and thank you guys for, for that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you go to the supermarket and there's, uh, they're giving away meat that's four weeks old, so here it is, it's free, you're not going to go, well, fantastic, and you're going to take it and serve it to your family. You're going to say, that's no good. Uh, and I Google Analytics is not that, that bad. Joe I'm might. I'm an entrepreneur, Joe so might. Yeah. Uh, I'm on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we'd uh, all have to rush to the hospital and help Joe. Uh, no, obviously, Google Analytics is not, not quite that bad. But it actually um, helps me explain the value proposition of Spring Metrics, and it helps sell the product when people are familiar with Google Analytics. So I often ask, are you a data analyst? And if they say yes, then I say, well, Google Analytics is probably great for you because you want to spend hours a day mining the data, trying to figure out what all this stuff means, putting all the dots together, finding the patterns, and say, okay, now I, I get it after four hours today, and I'll do the same thing tomorrow. But for the, for the rest of us, the 99% that are not data analysts, it's just overwhelming. It's just too much. And if you run a business, you don't want to spend four hours a day trying to figure out what all this stuff means that's not in a friendly interface, that doesn't explain really anything, and at the end of the day, it doesn't tell you how you can grow your business. So for us, it's fantastic, because we say all that stuff, you know how you log in, and you look at stuff, and then you say, okay, great, and then you log out, they say, yes, that's my typical experience, we say, great, well, we, we fix all that, and they go, great, because we just make it simple. Okay. So that leads perfectly into our first question that's coming via Twitter, so thank you, Snow Sun. I like your handle there. Yeah. Um, and, it's our, and it's a better question than I had, which proving the wisdom of crowds. Are data, visual, data visualization and dashboarding the keys to understanding? Why or why not? Um, all right, so I guess maybe we'll go back the other direction this time. Um, yeah. Are they the key to understanding? Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're the key. I think they help. I mean, we use a dashboard, um, but our dashboard is a real-time dashboard. And one of the value props of our dashboard is we show you much less than pretty much everybody else because we try not to confuse you. And I think there's a, there's a sexiness to dashboards. It's easy to get addicted to a dashboard and just say, show me more, and there's bells and whistles and things moving. But it, it doesn't really matter how you're visualizing the data if you don't comprehend it and you're not tying it into actionable insights and if it's not helping you grow your business. So I would say, no, it's not the key. I mean, frankly, I'd rather see something in plain English that just says, 
here's what's working for you, do more of this. Here's what's not working, change this. I'd be happy with that. So from my perspective, they're helpful, but only if they're done really, really well, and most of the time they're not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, Doug did a good job of sort of describing that. Um, you know, my perspective is, and it was StatSheet, and please everybody go visit StatSheet.com. Um, we do a lot of visualizations for sports data. And the reason for that is because you don't actually see a lot of sports visualizations on the web. Um, and I think they're very important because what you can get through a visualization that you can't through just a raw table of numbers is you can pack a lot more data into that visualization. And so I think on the service, absolutely dashboards, visualizations, they're all great tools in the toolbox. Um, but fundamentally, you know, if you're wanting to, to have something that's actionable, if you want something, you know, and I think kind of Doug alluded to this, you can almost kind of get drawn into a dashboard and think that's all you need to look at. The problem with visualizations, you know, kind of in, in, inherently and in just how people use them is that they're limited. I mean, it's a sort of a snapshot um, of data at a particular point in time. They're not necessarily good for drawing out insights or other things, correlations that may be inherent inside of the data that you need additional analysis on that a simple visualization won't show you. So again, that's why, you know, at least from our perspective, the, the end game is actually going beyond just a simple visualization and providing customized and detailed content based on, you know, data that you would see in a visualization, but also additional historical data and a variety of other metrics that we can sort of pick through and analyze over time to give you something that you'd be like, okay, that's actually a lot more information. Maybe it's, it's not actually, it's a few sentences, but you can get more information out of that than you can even a, a visualization that's packed with data. Can I take you, Joe, in a different direction, a yeah. slightly different direction, which is you mentioned insight, so visualization is, also, is often just the presentation of data, um, and, and Graham Crispin's asked on Twitter, how do your analytics validate that the right business question is being asked, which gets into insight as well? Sure. So I think, you know, the point that Keith made earlier is that uh, the next generation of uh, intelligence applications or intelligence solutions are just that. They're solutions. They're actually not just tools uh, like Google Analytics where I have access to all of my data, but I have no questions, to, you know, the questions I have to generate on my own. Um, I think the next generation of uh, companies that are going to make billions of dollars uh, is around providing a full solution to actually take data uh, that people have sitting out somewhere, whether it's website data, sports data, or you know, communication data, um, and actually make the connection for you, connect the dots for you back to your business. Uh, now, in some cases, that means a consultative approach. In some cases, software can do that all on its own. Uh, I think that really stretches. So SaaS, I would say, is a highly consultative approach. I'm sure Keith would probably agree in most cases. No, Keith disagrees. <laughs> Um, and I would say that Spring, or, uh, like Spring Metrics, for example, is probably not super consultative, but the software connects a lot of the dots. Yes. Right? So um, for us, we're sort of a, a hybrid. We often work with solution providers um, who can actually go and help define the questions uh, that are really important for a particular industry or a particular business. And then uh, we actually can just replicate that you know, over and over. So if we have multiple companies that are all in similar businesses, we can say, great, we understand your business uh, because we've worked with five companies like you, and you know, we know that from a customer service perspective, here's the questions that you should be asking, and here's the ways that we can integrate our data or our visualizations or whatever uh, into your business process. 
So, for example, uh, we know that it's really important in a customer service team to know how your top five uh, most valuable customers feel about you and who your five you know, most likely to attract customers are. So those are two really critical questions, and we can take those and we can, for example, enrich someone's salesforce.com experience so that they have access to that data all the time. So that's brand new data that they've never been able to see, and it helps them inform the way they're acting. Um, and I think that's really the key is being able to tie into the root of the person's business uh, and then connect the dots between the data and that business solution. I, I, I often like to say things that get me into trouble, so um, let, let me do Makes a little a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, let me do a little bit of that now. Um, I think with analytics and with business analytics and intelligence, lots of times people do not know the question they should be asking. Um, and I think we all fall into the trap where we say, well, I know my business, and I know marketing, and I set up my funnel, and I, I, know, I know what's right. And the reality is most of the time we don't. And I think really compelling analytics tools help you find the things that you don't know and bring things to your attention. So we have conversations all the time with people about sales funnels, as an example. And lots of marketers like to set up campaigns that drive traffic to a very specific landing page where you can only go to step two and you can only go to step three. You can't get to these pages, right? So they have a very predefined siloed sales funnel. And I say all the time, so do you have a thousand pages on your site? Yes. Well, how do you know that there aren't five other sales funnels on your site that are converting significantly higher than the one you predefined? Well, they say, because I built this funnel. So, right, but you don't know. So if, if we find a funnel for you that converts 5x greater than the one you set up, would you switch to that one? Yes, of course. Okay. So you don't actually know the answer. So I think the first step, it's almost like... The first step is to accept that you don't know everything about your business. And when you accept that, you're actually open to the idea that some of these tools can help me unearth some truths that are going to help me generate more revenue and grow my business in a way I didn't know I could before. So I, I one other thing, one quick, real quickly on that. You know, I don't know how many folks watched the uh, um, Watson Jeopardy Challenge, um, but for me, you know, it was, it was very eye-opening and kind of, um, you know, really solidified my thinking and where the industry's going. Um, you know, just like what we did, what we do at StatSheet is we take data and stats, we create algorithms, and then we generate content just like a journalist would. Except the power with what we're doing is we can incorporate multiple people's thinking into the production of that content. And so even though it happens in an automated manner, you know, there's a lot of intelligence built into that. When somebody typically writes an article, and, and again, in a sports journalism context, it's just one person, and whatever's in that one person's head is what they can actually produce. The power with technology over time is going to be just that. It won't be, are we asking the right questions? It'll be that we can answer so many more questions than what any one data analyst can possibly do on their own that that won't be a question in the future. I mean, again, Watson can beat, already beat you know, the, the best Jeopardy uh, champions out there. Technology will easily be able to surpass anything that what one individual can possibly come up with their own in terms of a, a question. You know, the biggest issue was making sure that it's customized in such a way that is specific to that customer because they do have things that they focus on that will be different. But again, in terms of the power to ask and answer the right questions, that will be a no-brainer. So I work in a creative business. We do campaigns and things like that. And I read recently in one of the trade journals that the mathematicians are taking over what we do. I suspect the same is true of 
customer support, sales teams, um, which is slightly terrifying for a liberal arts uh, degreed <laughs> person. Um, and you know, if we had skill, we wouldn't have gone into marketing. So um, how can non-math geeks survive in a data-driven world? Well, I think the key to that is find a good partner. Um, so, you know, in our case, uh, we are those math geeks that are taking over customer service and sales, and uh, we love to partner with solution providers like marketing firms uh, and like, you know, consultants and uh, et cetera. And the reason that we do that is because they can wrap, again, that service layer and help provide a solution. So. I think that there's um, going to be a lot of consolidation that happens uh, over the next five or ten years um, around solutions businesses rolling up into technology providers or vice versa. Uh, Keith mentioned that they just rolled up a company where 95% of the you know, consultants there have security clearance. That's an example of how they can take uh, guys that probably have a lot of knowledge around military government intelligence and roll that back into their ecosystem of the you know, mathematicians and tech guys uh, that have already built these solutions. Um, so I think that the M&A market is going to lead to a lot of that, and I think that uh, strategic partnerships are going to be a big component of it as well. You see uh, Salesforce just bought Radiant 6, which is probably the largest social media monitoring company. So you see that sort of tying into the infrastructure as well. At 11x revenue, by the way. 11x revenue, yeah. So that just goes to show you know, the synergy uh, from that. That's not a cash flow acquisition uh, because they're never going to make that cash flow back. Uh, but what it is is it's a synergy uh, acquisition. So they're saying, we believe that by doing this, the revenue from Radiant 6 is going to be dramatically shifted uh, and that our revenue is going to be dramatically shifted to where it actually makes sense at, a dis at an effective discount rate for us to make this investment because no discount rate is going to justify an 11x investment unless there's that synergy. So, um, so, so now I'm going to go to the opposite side of what I just said um, <laughs> and say that the, the math majors, they don't know everything, okay? And... Math majors need to understand that they don't know everything, and they need to ask questions of the business people, and then they need to close their mouths and they need to listen, right? So while the business people don't know everything, they have an understanding of their business and their market, a better understanding than the math majors do. So spring metrics all the time, um, you know, our engineers are constantly saying, well, what are the e-commerce people saying they need? Let, we have to listen to them. Now, we can't let them innovate for us, but we have to listen and read between the lines and understand the pain points and then build solutions that are based on math and based on smart stuff mm -hmm. and intelligent thinking and what have you that will help them in ways they didn't even know they needed to help. But I think recognizing who the industry leader is, the, who understands their business, and listening to them is, is critical. We've also yet to see a tool. We, there are lots of tools that can tell us um, what happened potentially even how, but not why. And, you know, if we're doing a campaign with six different actions, what made the, the hockey stick work? And, you know, it would take tremendous amounts of manual effort to figure out it was this tweet by this person that kicked off this, that kicked off this, that kicked off this. And I think I'll really be impressed when a system can say, 
here's why yeah. it worked. So, that's so you, should come, you should come by our booth. Yeah. So tell us. Tell <laughs> us. I think that's what how, I think how, all of us are in working a, on. In a that. short level, how's that, how's that going to work in a year um, beyond whatever you can do today? So I would say that, and, and you get, maybe I should give somebody else a chance to talk. Um, I would say that it really has to do with a couple of things. One is, to your point, asking so many questions that you can get to the ones that really matter um, a lot faster. Uh, computers have this you know, rare and unique ability to ask like 10 million questions a second. So uh, you know, they can compute and find uh, all the things that don't matter uh, in the time it would take somebody to ask you know, one question. Um, the other interesting thing is going to be in terms of visualization, data visualization, and finding unique ways to represent data. Uh, so I totally agree with you guys that you know, dashboarding and showing a chart not always effective. I think there's other visualizations um, that have yet to happen, and we're working on some of them uh, that we're going to be announcing soon that will give you the ability to pinpoint things a lot more clearly, uh, see trends a lot more clearly, uh, pick out you know, one noisy signal from a whole web of you know, marketing activity or customer service activity. Um, and you know what you guys do, and maybe I'll hand it off to you to talk about some of that uh, text and content generation, which I think is also just another form of visualization that's really important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of you summed it up well. Um, you, you know, the why is the important piece. I mean, to me, that's what's interesting, right? I mean, you, you can only get so far by presenting data in a different way. You know, again, it's that whole Google Analytics problem. You know, if, if Doug was only focused on doing a better Google Analytics, you know, he'd be in trouble. Um, <laughs> You know, there's there's so much more than just showing data in different ways. Now you can get a certain amount of the way there, but the ones that are going to be successful, I, I think, you know, kind of they were talking about it before that the billion dollar companies are going to be the ones where you can go to and it gives you the why. And you know, I, I get that question all the time. Well, how do you automate the creation of content and all mm -hmm. that? That's the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's extremely complicated. You know, there's a lot of you know, both mathematics that goes into that, but then also, you know, just understanding domain expertise um, that, it re that it requires to put those two things together so that you can generate something that will be better than what a person could do on their own. I picture robot journalists. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's what we have. Yeah, that's really cool. Joe Procopio is our robot journalist. He made so, so another question from Twitter. Can you cite specific ROI examples like percentage saved using analytics? So I can – one quick one that I'll, I'll show is we – we started with college basketball. That was the first sport we tackled where we were automating the, the creation of content. And what we would do is, you know, after every game, college basketball game, we would generate a recap of that game. And we wouldn't just do one recap. We'd do one for both teams. So it would take the perspective of that team. So when Carolina beats Duke, um, as they, they do every year, um, <laughs> you know, it would talk about that and, and how often that happens and, and make people like myself happy. What we, what we, we just recently went through and, and looked at our numbers, and we generated over 64,000 articles in a five-month period. It would take 100 people generating four articles a day every day of the college basketball season to produce a similar number of articles. We did it with 10 people. And so, you know, for us, in terms of that ability to create a large amount of high-quality content, um, you know, I, I think we've kind of, we're on to something that shows that there's absolutely an ROI there because we can do something that would take typically an army to do. And then over time, because it's technology, getting back to that Watson analogy, it'll only get better. And so it'll be constantly improving over time. So that ROI equation will only get better. So for, do you want the same question? Yeah. Okay. So, so for us, because we're focused on conversions, right? We're conversion analytics and intelligence. We're, we're always looking at that sale. And so 
we can see things, like we see this with customers, where they will be running pay-per-click campaigns, right? They're running AdWords campaigns. And they're paying X dollars for every click to come through. And they see, oh, look, I'm getting, I'm getting sales from Google AdWords. That's great. So my money's being spent well. But what they don't understand is that, well, they're running a, a variety of campaigns. Each one costs something different. And what you'll often find if you dig in is that one ad with one keyword written one specific way is generating all of your money. And you're spending lots more on all these other campaigns that actually aren't leading to conversions. They're generating a lot of traffic. And they're costing you a ton of money. But you can't see the difference unless you really dig in. And so by, you know, if you want to spend the time to dig into it and put those data points together, you can do that. But if you have a system that just shows you, hey, this is where you're generating all your revenue from. This is costing you all this money. Get rid of this. It saves you a lot of money and time. Yep. So we have so, time for maybe one more question. I've got, I got one great example because I think you guys are interested in some very specific numbers. We just recently did uh, an installation of one of our products at a global telecom company. We helped them transition all their support so they actually cut uh, average ticket handling time by 63% uh, with an increase, slight increase, in customer satisfaction. Uh, we did that by allowing them to standardize uh, all of their support into digital media, uh, like email, chat, forums, things like that, rather than having to do it all over the phone. Uh, typically, when people move away from phone, they see a huge, dramatic drop in customer satisfaction. Uh, but we actually were able to maintain a similar uh, level of service quality uh, at a cost that's basically like 60% lower. So. Um, that's a great example of ROI. I'd buy that. Excellent. And one of our friends on Twitter said they show a 10 to 20% savings per year using advanced energy analytics for large end users. Nice. So lots of ways to do this. Yep. So last question. You all are running very cool companies doing interesting things, but there's lots of ways to slice it. So what's the latest company or tool you've been jealous of that you thought, ah, why didn't I think of that one? Uh, who else is doing something cool that you admire? I'll take case? that. Uh, um, so it's a local company, Plotwatt. I don't know yeah. if folks are familiar with it. I just uh, say the name again. Plotwatt. Plot. P L O T T W A T T. Okay. Um, and Luke Fishback. I don't. Even, he may even be here. I don't know. But uh, um, they ha- have a really home, a really cool home energy analysis program where you can essentially tie it up to your electrical box and it'll show you, you know, how much money you're spending on, you know, the hair dryer and the vacuum cleaner and, you know, just sort of that level of personalization for analysis, you know, and that's about as personal as it could get, you know, what's your home energy usage, you know, that seems like, you know, in the future, I think we'll look back and say, well, it's crazy that we didn't have that, right? You know, I mean, that'll be something that we should just have by default. And so they're, I think, onto something pretty cool. Excellent. Uh, Mine would be Radiant 6. I wish I had $330 million. <laughs> <laughs> and what they're doing now with some plugins they're adding, they can tell you not just what the words are, but what they mean. So if you want to know the chatter at South by Southwest, you can say what movies were discussed the most. Without coding it, it knows which ones are movies, which yeah. phrases are movies that were at South by. So it's, pretty, it's getting even slicker. So mine would actually be a tool that... Um, a few companies are actually providing, and that is the ability to see a person's um, session. So when you visit a website, they can literally, in their browser, see your mouse movements, what you're clicking on, where you're going. I know it sounds creepy, doesn't it? A little bit. Uh, a little bit. Um, 
they don't know who you are, but they can see the activity. And it's, it's incredibly useful. Um, the problem is nobody's really doing it well, but that concept itself, um, I really like. And one, I wish I was the first one to think about it. And two, I wish I found a really great way to tie that into what we're doing um, and provide it. But it's, it's pretty cool. Great. So remember that when every page you go to, somebody's actually literally watching you. So Joe, Robbie, Doug, and my fellow moderators out in the audience who helped me, thank you very much.